All right, let's get started. Aurora of the Yukon, Chapter 8, The Three Musketeers at Bennett. I guess it wasn't raining when they named this place Happy Camp. My diary, Happy Camp on the Chilkoot Trail, July 31st, 1898. We reached Happy Camp late. It was a long downhill trail from the summit, and we had walked quickly. It rained and blew the whole time. In fact, sometimes we were walking inside the clouds. It was like fog, but with rain everywhere. Skuko managed to find some dry wood at Happy Camp, and we built a little fire. It was just enough to boil some water before the rain got heavier and put out the fire. No, I won't eat oatmeal anymore, exclaimed Eves. Oatmeal is for breakfast, anyway, not dinner. Maman explained that Red had taken most of our food and that oatmeal was all we had left. Je pourrais donner ton bol à Louise, si tu préfères. I think Louise guessed what Maman had said, because she said, Eve, I would be happy to eat your oatmeal if you are full. Eve decided suddenly that he liked oatmeal and started eating. Louise winked at me. I must admit that I didn't like my oatmeal too much either. I had eaten it for a week straight for breakfast, so having it for dinner wasn't too fun. But even worse, it was raining so hard that my bowl started filling up with water. By the time I took the last bite, it was more like cold oatmeal soup. The night was miserable. Louise and I couldn't figure out why it was called Happy Camp. Alaska has lots of places with names like Desolation Sound and Dead Horse Gulch. That sort of name would be better for Happy Camp. I don't think anyone slept very well. The wind kept blowing our pool down, and water kept pouring onto our sleeping bags. Eve came into my sleeping bag about midnight, and we kept each other warm as much as we could. The weather was miserable again the next day as we walked to Lindeman City, but it cleared up at dinner time and got nice and hot. We hung our wet clothes in sleeping bags from trees and had a hot bowl of oatmeal. For some reason, my stomach kept telling me that I really, really wanted a big bowl of pea soup with ham. It's funny when you are in the mountains. Your body seems to know what kind of food you need. As I told Maman, your body does not always need oatmeal. She said oatmeal was good for my character, although I didn't really understand what she meant. The next day, we got to Bennett. That's the end of the Chilkoot Trail. We had to say goodbye to Louise and Skookum. That was very sad. Louise gave me a little flower made of moose skin and beads. I didn't have anything for a present until I remembered my ribbon from Kitty Rockwell. I took it out of my hair and gave it to Louise. She had beautiful long black hair and the ribbon looked very pretty in it. Then I drew a picture in my diary and gave her the page. She drew one for me too. I still have it. Bennett is smaller than Skagway. People said it was even smaller than it was the year before when all the gold rush folks passed through. There were still lots of tents and buildings though. Every tree for a mile was cut down to build log cabins and the big wooden church on the top of the hill. In Montreal, every different kind of religion has its own church building. But in Bennett, there's just one and everybody shares it. There was also a great beach. Mama was making arrangements for us to go on a boat to Whitehorse, so Yves, D'Artagnan, and I went down to the beach. At first we threw rocks at the log we called the battleship. But I hit it first and Eve got really mad at me. En garde, he shouted and drew his sword. I grabbed a stick. I kept calling him Count Rochefort and he called me Milady. They are the bad guys in the Three Musketeers. All of a sudden, a big deep voice boomed out. You, sir, you, mademoiselle. Don't you know that the king has made dueling against the law? Dueling is fighting with swords. And there is a scene in the Three Musketeers where someone says exactly that to the musketeers. I know the book very well, like I was telling you about before. Eve makes me read it to him so often. The man had been sitting on a log, smoking a pipe, watching us. Now he stood up. Suddenly, Eve saluted him with his sword. Superintendent Sam Steele, at your service. It really was Superintendent Steele. He looked just like a hero from a book, what with his uniform and big mustache. You must be D'Artagnan, Superintendent Steele said to Eve. No, said Eve. He pointed at our dog. He is D'Artagnan. I'm Athos. Superintendent Steele winked at me. Of course you are Athos. Very good. Then he turned to me. And you must be Mademoiselle Constance. He knew the three musketeers very well. Constance is the queen's lady-in-waiting. 
Colossus is very brave and clever, and helps the Queen and the Musketeers outsmart the Cardinal and the other bad guys. Now, Athos and Constance, you are fighting all wrong. You are holding your sword in your right hand, and then turning sideways with your left hand behind you. That was for fancy sword fighting. The Musketeers were real fighters. They used big swords in their right hand. In their left, they had a knife, or they just used their cloak. He grabbed a stick in his right hand and swirled his coat around his left. He play-fought with Eve for a moment, then swirled his coat over Eve's head. Eve couldn't see anything, and just waved his sword in the air. Gotcha, said Superintendent Steele. Superintendent Sam Steele, said Eve, once he got out from under that coat. We saw some bad guys. Cardinal's guards? asked Superintendent Steele. He still thought Eve was playing. No, I said. Some of Soapy Smith's gang. Sam Steele was suddenly serious. What? On this side of the border? We quickly told him how we had seen Mr. Cicero and Blackball. He made us describe them exactly. Well, they are probably using new names, but we'll keep an eye out for them. If you see them again, tell one of my men. He pointed at a tent up the hill. I'll let them know, too. Then he opened his pocket and pulled out two chocolate bars and gave them to us. Sit down, he said. You must be the kids who were with Frank Reed. I want to hear about Zoe Smith's last day. I want to hear it all, especially anything that might let us catch the rest of those criminals. Sometimes I think I should take my men down into Skagway and arrest them all, but I don't think President McKinley would be too happy if I did that. But at the very least, we've got to stop them from getting into the Yukon. As we talked, I put Eve's chocolate bar into his pocket and shared mine with him and Superintendent Steele. We had eaten the chocolate bars that Tina gave us even before we got to Finnegan's Point, and I didn't think we should eat these two in one sitting. We told our story, stopping to answer Sam Steele's questions. He always wanted to know exactly how someone looked. Was Windy Bill tall or short? Fancy clothes or trapper clothes? Or exactly why they did something? Like how Soapy got 300 people to join his committee when everyone knew he was a bad guy. He was very good at questions. Finally, when we were done, he gave us a big musketeer bow and walked quickly away. You could tell from his walk that he was a man who was used to long hikes. He went straight up hill into the police tent. As he entered the tent to tell our story to his men, he looked down at us and touched the brim of his hat. I don't know why, but suddenly, I miss Papa more than ever. A few minutes later, Eve and I went up the hill and sat on the steps of Bennett Church. Well, I actually mean the spot where they were building it. They had just started, and only the bottom of the tower was finished. We couldn't resist the chocolate, so Eve was unwrapping the chocolate bar to share it. Suddenly, Blackwell jumped around the corner and snatched the chocolate away. We were completely surprised. "'Give it back,' I said. "'Make me, you stupid frog!' He had a terrible way of laughing and mocking you when he spoke. "'Did you like my snowball?' He took a step towards me. D'Artagnan jumped forward a half-step and growled at him. I'd never seen D'Artagnan growl like that before. It was a real fighting noise. Blackball stopped. He looked like he was scared of dogs. "'Got any more chocolate?' "'You'd better give it if you do,' he said. "'But he didn't move any closer. "'You give that back,' I told him. "'Or what?' he laughed and took a bite. "'All of a sudden, without any warning at all, "'another boy burst out of the spruce trees. "'Usually, when boys fight, they talk and threaten each other first. "'Not this boy. "'Before Blackball could even finish his bite, "'the boy was on top of him. "'Give it back to them,' shouted the boy. "'He had knocked Blackball to the ground and was wrestling with him. "'He was a tall blonde boy, but a few years younger than Blackball.' I think if they'd been the same age, the blonde boy would have won for sure. But Blackball was just too big. The boy had Blackball around the neck, but Blackball got hold of one of the boy's arms and started to twist it back. I realized that Blackball was going to get loose. I don't know what happened exactly, but suddenly, the three musketeers saying came into my head. All for one and one for all, I shouted. I grabbed one of Blackball's arms. Eve kicked him in the leg, but then D'Artagnan sank his teeth into Blackball's arm. It was the hand that was twisting the blonde boy's arm. Blackball jumped up, pushed the blonde boy away, and ran off. I picked up a clump of dirt and threw it. It sailed through the air and burst right on Blackwell's back as he disappeared into the trees. You don't throw like a girl, exclaimed the blonde boy. He was standing still but was covered with dirt and was panting from the exhaustion. 
His nose was bleeding, but he didn't seem to notice. "'Well, nice to meet you, too,' I said. I introduced myself, as well as Eve and D'Artagnan. "'I'm Kip,' he said, with a shy smile. He was about a year or two older than me, and he lived in Whitehorse. "'Thanks for helping us.' "'Oh, that's okay. That guy's been bugging me for a couple of days. "'And when I saw what he was doing to you, I got really mad. "'My dad says I shouldn't get mad so often. "'Well,' I said, "'sometimes you need to get mad. "'That was a good time, I guess.' Kip smiled a bigger smile. He liked what I had said. I think that was when we became friends. Suddenly, someone shouted, Hey, you kids, at us in a mean voice. It was an old man dressed like a priest standing in the doorway at the unfinished church. Kip, are you fighting again? You know this is a church. Kip was suddenly quiet. He looked at his feet, but didn't say anything. I'm going to have to tell your father about this. He turned to go back into the church tower. Still, Kip didn't say anything. That would be so unfair, I thought. Wait, Kip was only fighting because he saw a bully threatening my brother and me. The priest's lips were still pursed. That means they were pressed together like he was still mad and didn't believe me. I think that's what purse means. Anyway, it looked like Kip was still going to get into trouble. It's what adults do all the time. They just don't listen to kids. It really made me mad. You should spend less time giving trouble to nice boys like Kip, who help other people, and more time chasing kids like Blackball Houlihan. Then we ran away as fast as we could. Kip took us back to the beach to find my mom. He did catch me fighting three times last week, admitted Kip, but he's also mad because I beat him in the Bennett chess tournament.